This is episode 57 of the Rising Man podcast with Carrie Azuma. Wait, hold up. Is there a lady in the building? Good rising to you, family. Jetty Azuma here, the host and creator of the Rising Man podcast. Grateful to have you here today, especially for this conversation. It's come to my attention that after having interviewed 56 men from all different backgrounds, all different belief systems, all different walks of life, and diving deep into this conversation of what it means to be a man, that now is the time for us to expand this dialogue on masculinity and manhood by bringing women into the conversation, by, by inviting our sisters to be a part of this dialogue as well. With the special contribution that they have, the mirror of the masculine, that the feminine is capable of holding. And I can't think of a better first guest to have on this show than my lovely wife, Carrie Azuma. But before I introduce her, I wanna make sure I mention a few things. First of all, like I mentioned on the previous episodes, the Rising Man podcast is officially in cahoots with the Conscious Man Brotherhood, CMB. You guys have heard me talk a lot more about the Conscious Man Brotherhood, the collection of brothers who have come together in order to provide spaces, safe spaces, where men can be seen, listened, and heard that stretch all across the world, every single continent. Conscious Man Brotherhood is the umbrella under which Man Cave, the PAC meetups, a lot of other opportunities and collaborative efforts are happening. So I want to make sure you guys are connected to the Conscious Man Brotherhood community. So if you're not already a part of the PAC Facebook group, head over to facebook.com slash groups slash the PAC Brotherhood. Thousands of men literally from all over the world coming together to be a part of this conversation of masculinity and manhood, taking off our masks and sharing space to be the men we always wanted to be. And within the Conscious Man Brotherhood, we have our next man cave launching March 16th. I want to make sure all of you guys out there, every single one of you men who's looking for an opportunity to level up your life, to expand your relationships, to evolve and grow within a community and a container of men who know how to do this work and how to lean in. Man Cave is the spot to be. I'm one of the lead coaches inside Man Cave. We're inside of a, a cave right now, 5.0. This is gonna be our sixth version of Man Cave and excited to bring more men into that community. So if you're hearing the calling and you wanna be a part of this community, maybe you aren't able to come out for one of our Elements events and you can't do the in-person work, but Man Cave is digital, it's virtual. You can have this brotherhood anywhere you are in the world. So don't hesitate, head over to prestonsmiles.com slash mancave. The link will be in the show notes. Apply for your spot today because these seats are going to go fast. And last but not least, before I introduce Carrie, I want to make sure I ask you guys again for your generous contributions. We're so grateful for everything that's been coming in to support the Rising Man podcast through our Patreon page, which is at www.patreon.com slash rising man these contributions you guys are making every single month are helping us to fund the costs of putting on this podcast and also making it possible for us to expand the content that we are creating which is a huge goal for the rising man team this year in 2019 there's a lot of great reward levels for contributing on patreon including being a part of our rising men fire circle we are going to be having our next rising man fire circle saturday february 23rd from 3 to 5 p.m pacific standard time so any of you guys who have not attended a fire circle you're invited to be a guest for the first time and then beyond that the 33 dollars a month tier for the patreon is how you can spend some time with us every single month and really have the support of an intimate community of brothers so lots of opportunities to get involved with men's work you guys there's no excuses at this point not to have a community of men in your life so let me introduce to all of you my amazing wife, my partner, the mother of my children, Carrie Azuma. She is the founder of Conscious Mothers Co-op and does some incredible transformative work with mothers and women alike all across the globe. Her mission is to bring rites of passage back into the experience of motherhood and to begin honoring childbirth as a ceremony and motherhood as a journey. This was a really fun episode for me because number one, interviewing my wife is something I've never done before. It was really beautiful and to have the space for a woman to come onto this show and to be able to share the conversation of masculinity and manhood and relationship with my wife, my soulmate, my partner was really profound. 
And so a few of the things we talked about on this episode, in addition to jabbing at each other and having a good time, we talked about what she loves most about men and what frustrates her about men, especially me, the importance of having clear values and standards in your relationship, how women can begin to shift out of their masculine and soften into their feminine and how we as men can help facilitate that transition. This is a huge one. A lot of women who have learned to be in their masculine, their driving, determined, focused, laser, you know, manned up version of themselves and how badly they want to be able to soften into their feminine and how the right fit can help support that. We talked about what we as men can do to make our women feel safe and getting back on the same team when breakdowns arise in our relationships and how we do that and how we think you can do that in your relationship. So without further ado, for the first time in the history of the Rising Man podcast, Mrs. Carrie Azuma. man family we've got a first really really special first an honored guest the mrs jetty azuma hey ace <laughs> the one and only carrie azuma my Thank wife you. my queen mother of my children <laughs> i'm so glad to have you on here thanks honey i'm happy to be here happy to be the first lady on the show since i'm the first lady of your house <laughs> Yeah, we were totally dorking out right before we started recording here. Really so this silly. is this is just the continuation of our dorking. <laughs> <laughs> but let me say this first. We've done a lot of episodes with a lot of amazing men. And the conversation of when do we introduce a woman to the Rising Man podcast? When does that happen? And this felt like the right time. And I couldn't think of a better first woman to have on here than my amazing wife, whom you will get to know in this interview here we're going to see where it goes <laughs> our intention is to bring the real talk to relationship the dialogue about what it has been like for us to find each other to decide to partner with each other to decide to commit to each other have children and to <laughs> to build a life together real talk that's that's a big deal it's a big deal what we've done together so Good, the bad, and the better. <laughs> yeah, I like that. The good, the bad, and the better. <laughs> so, since you're the first lady on here, I decided I'm going to ask you the same questions that I start off asking the men. Oh, and fun. And see how that lands. So, I feel so special. Thanks for having me, guys, by the way. I feel <laughs> really honored. <laughs> okay, so what is the difference between a boy and a man? Oh, that is risky for a woman to answer that. <laughs> Don't hold back. Okay. Go well, wow. Man, you didn't even give me any prep notes. <laughs> so I have to go right from the soul. That's how we do. Well, I mean, the simplest answer that comes to me at like first, first gut hit, I feel like boys try and men commit. Mm. I know that sounds simple, but it kind of does wrap it up for me. <laughs> simple is good. Yeah. But say a little more about the difference between trying and committing. Well, you know, when I, when I see, I, you know, I guess the way, the way that I see boys a lot is through relationship when I'm coaching women, because I coach women. So, you know, I can kind of spot when guys are still in this space of proving or trying or needing to be something in order to, in some way, feel powerful or like they're staking their claim on the world through kind of a push versus just showing up and being the gift that they are, being the man that they are. And I mean, okay, I'm not trying to be biased, but that's kind of what I see in you, you know, is like, I just see you showing up and not complaining, not giving excuses, not trying to be the man you want to be for me. You just do it mm -hmm. <laughs> by your actions. And mm -hmm. a long time ago, one of my mentors, Scott Cody, one of my favorite men said, you know, Carrie, men are just really solely their actions they're they're really not their words it's good to be your word but you always want to watch their actions actions are everything with men and that was so helpful to me because that's really what I'm speaking to right now is when we first met one of the best things you ever said to me when I was feeling really vulnerable and you know just scared that this was too good to be true I said I just don't really believe yet that you're 
like the man you're being because I've never felt so like safe and trusting and it doesn't feel real. And the best thing you ever said to me was, okay, well, let me show you. And you've been showing me ever since. And I have to say that for me has been what's shown me that you are a man and willing to step into that. Yeah. And that's something that we talk about a lot in men's circles is even amongst men, we value actions more than words. Mm. And especially with women where safety is the number one concern and the number one thing that men get to provide to our partners Actions mean a lot more than words. And I think that's another indication of the transcendence from boyhood to manhood is being able to speak with our actions and not just with our words and to back it up, to walk the talk, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And so you open up a lot of really great stuff with what you said. I love the simplicity of your answer. And I want to ask you this question. Let's have a little fun here. (laughs) Okay. What do you love the most about men? Not just me, but men in general. Mm. I should go on more men's podcasts. <laughs> I love these questions. Uh, the honor. Like, I really love how men are honorable. And they do it in a way where women don't quite do it in the same way. We have a different kind of honor. I wouldn't even call it honor. But the honor is just so beautiful And, you know, the men in my life that I know, just seeing reverence and love for life and, you know, like men and their purpose or men really seeking purpose, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. Mm -hmm. I know we talk about the divine masculine, divine feminine. For for me, the divinity in men is, is watching them really beautifully being in service in a way that like fills them up. And shows just like through their heart, you know, it's just like they're shining because they're giving something so purely and so beautifully. And I feel really lucky in my life to be surrounded by so many good men. I mean, I really, perhaps I also called that in, but I have a great father who's been on the show and an amazing husband, obviously, (laughs) and just so many beautiful brothers that, you know, largely came into my life because of you. Thanks, honey. Um, (laughs) You got it. (laughs) But just, you know, men who really care about the world and about women and about their purpose. And I think it's just so good that women, the, the, the rising of this like feminine time, you know, that we all are talking about right now, doesn't exclude men this time the way the the feminine feminist movement did in the 70s. I'm so happy that that it's all inclusive and that we're really getting to see the beauty in both sides. At least I do. Mm. I know that I couldn't be the woman I am in the world without the men in my life. Like there's just no way around that. I've, I have the safety and like the, the, the rocks and the the stability in my life because of those men, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and even the men I've worked with, have been so lucky. Scott Cody and Preston smiles, just such beautiful men who have guided me and cared about me and just, always had my best interest at heart. So Mm -hmm. I I think a man in service, you know, just a man in beautiful purity of his heart service is just one of the most beautiful things I see in men. And Mm -hmm. I see it a lot now, which is really sweet. Yeah. And that's at the core of every man, no matter how deep in his darkness he is or how caught in his boyhood he is, is a deeply rooted desire to be of service, to be useful, to be valuable to his people. And to hear a woman such as yourself say that one of her favorite things is to see a man in service that the world just makes sense again (laughs) that biology call it god call it spirit call it creator whatever you want would put man and woman masculine and feminine in this amazing dance with each other yeah i even see it in our son you know yeah like that's one of the most beautiful places that i'm getting to experience manhood in a different way yeah. is he's just like he loves to help he loves to be of service and he's just like you know when he's in that helper role he's just so excited and mm-hmm. feels so good about himself and it's just it's a beautiful thing to watch yeah. and also when he's not in a position of empowerment to be of service or to be useful he becomes destructive yeah just like another just like a boy a, so. <laughs> a three-year-old boy within yeah. who's trouble exactly <laughs> so you told us what you love about men Tell me what baffles you or frustrates you about men. Oh, dear. Don't talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. No, okay. no, go ahead. Talk about me. Talk uh, about men, every, everyone. What baffles me? 
I guess something that can be frustrating is sometimes when men don't comprehend to the full level of how unsafe we feel sometimes, you know, like how, and it's, I mean, men can't be women and they can't think like women. So, you know, we we have, I get that we really have to support them and understanding this. And I really do work, I strive for that. But sometimes it's tricky and frustrating to just almost feel a little held back in different ways of not being able to move forward on some things because we just don't have the sense of security we need and we don't get provided with that security. Safety really is, for, in my opinion, the number one thing women need from men. Mm. And so when men are, aren't really willing to provide that, you know, or I see other men aren't providing that for women that I love, I, I get frustrated, you know, I'm like, sure. you know, she's not feeling safe and there's something you can do about that in this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes women aren't expressing that they're not feeling safe and that's on them too. So it's tricky, but... Right. That's kind of the first thing that comes to mind, you know, and obviously like when men are in that boy, that wounded boy place and they struggle for power in ways that are really unhealthy, that makes us feel even less safe. And that's also, you know, that just goes back to old wounds of generations. But Mm -hmm. it does. The thing is, is it doesn't baffle me per se. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. I get it. I get why that that's set up in our culture in the way it is which is why I'm so grateful that the rites of passage work is coming back and that you're doing that work too. And it's, I feel like those initiations are so huge. And when they're missed, it's like they really do miss the point too of, of what power is, you know? And, and then it kind of falls on us women to sort of take the brunt of that sometimes when we feel really, really scared. Hmm. So sometimes that can be a little frustrating. Yeah, I appreciate the honesty in that answer. And I think before we go any further, let me just say for you men and and you women out there who are listening to this, I didn't just bring Carrie on the show because she's my amazing, beautiful, fantastic wife. But she has also been deeply in the work around relationships since before we ever even met. In fact, you guys have probably heard me or her or both of us talk about the story of how we met many times before in, in different platforms. But when we met, the short synopsis of it is that Carrie was very clear on her standards and what she wanted in a man. Exactly. I'm talking, she had three legal note pages, like eight, <laughs> eight and a half by 11 inch pages full of specific standards she had around relationship when she met me. And, you know, I was this Jack Sparrow looking hippie. Burning Man character, <laughs> dust in my ears and Fu Manchu on my face type of character. It was a little rough around the edges, guys. But <laughs> you guys didn't know him back then. <laughs> Just want to paint as clear of a picture as possible. Uh, and what was great is that she was able to convey those standards to me. When we started to see the sparks and feel the sparks, it was it was instant. And so I do want to emphasize that not only is Carrie my wife, but she's really somebody who has done the work on relationships. And we both have. We've both been in that work for a long time now, especially, gosh, we're going on seven years of being in a relationship. And every one of those years has been... Is that uh, it? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it feels like a lot. <laughs> every just one of those kidding. years has, has really been its own rite of passage, right? Definitely. So, so Every phase. Leading off of that, I want to hear more about the power struggle. Because I think this is something that men and women are both challenged by when it comes to relationship and specifically for the men who are listening it's really helpful to hear what the feminine what the female perspective is like when we enter into those power struggles so can you just say some more about that this is a great question uh, to answer from our relationship because i would say that when we met i had a very healthy masculine (laughs) inside of me and a very fiercely independent side side of me as well and that that has changed and shifted so intensely since, really since our son was born, but since we've met. So there definitely, I didn't really feel any power struggles with you per se when we met. Mm-hmm. I feel like we really complimented each other in a beautiful way. You had this way of like holding space for the power that I was stepping into with my work and my coaching and all of those things. Um But when we started getting into the nuts and bolts of sharing and merging those powers, that was interesting. You know, Mm. one of them was like, you know, 
just the financial conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, I, I grew up with a mother who was like a fierce worker and she didn't always relinquish the reins on just trusting the masculine to provide in their relationship. She really wanted to have that that peace in her control. Which goes back to safety, security, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like a model I had growing up. And I just always had this thing around, okay, like make your own money, have your own money. And even just like the woman is supposed to provide in this particular way. And, you know, I think that worked really well for her and my dad's dynamic, actually. They, you know, it's it just seemed to work. When I met you, you were such a provider and I wasn't used to that. That was really new for me mm-hmm. and such a beautiful thing, too. I had called it in. That was on the th- one of the three pages of my legal pad. <laughs> it was like, I would love to have someone to provide and experience that. But it was so much easier said than done. I really had to let go of... I really had to step into a deeper trust of really seeing like, okay, I do have this possibility of softening into receiving in a way that's been not super present for me. You know, even in the relationships that I had before we met, it was a lot of like me caretaking, a lot of me being the supporter and provider. I won't even say what what my mom used to say about who I would call in (laughs) because it's not very nice. Well, let me, let let me, let me ask you this. Let's, let's focus in on this part because mm -hmm. you said in the beginning of our relationship, you came in with a very healthy masculine. Yeah. Would you say that that's shifted? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm interested in hearing what allowed you to shift out of such a dominant masculine expression into Mm. more of your feminine. That's a beautiful question for, for men to hear too. And women. (laughs) Well, motherhood was probably the biggest one, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think I actually let go to the level that I did until I became pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was pregnant with Sitka, there was something in me that just really had to check out. I was like not able to be in this like startup business that I had with all my clients and my coaching career anymore. It's just everything sort of shifted into, and you know, I really didn't know why at the time. It makes sense now because of the work that I do, but I was starting to enter kind of into this tunnel of shift and transformation, and this huge rite of passage. And it was like the universe was saying, you need a lot of space for this. Mm-hmm. Again, I didn't know why at the time, but I do now. And I just had to let go. And I remember you saying like, hey, if you really need to let go, I got this and I can make this work for us right now. And that was both a relief and a edge. <laughs> but I I said yes to it. And then, you know, I said yes to it thinking it was just going to be the pregnancy. <laughs> and then when I had the birth I had, the, you know, it was a traumatic birth, postpartum depression, I thought I would be back on my feet and coaching again after three months of postpartum. And lo and behold, a year later, I was coaching again. And so... That was one of the deepest places where I had to just say, okay, I'm going to receive. I'm going to trust my husband in this way that I've never trusted before. I'm going to trust the universe that will be, you know, cared for and that this is that I need to take my time with this right now. And the pace that I had to lean into to make that happen was exponentially slower than the pace I was holding when I was in my masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And the shift in pace really was what supported that trust and really what supported me seeing you and slowing down and all of those things. And it wasn't a very pretty way. It was challenging, but I am eternally grateful for it because it inspired me. I remember there was a moment where I said, I never want to forget how good it feels to go this slow, mm. even though it's painful. Yeah. And I kind of committed to that internally at that time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I feel like I just kept leaning into that more and more, even as my business came back and got on its feet and all those things. So I remember those times so vividly. And even now, just in this conversation, reflecting back, taking a moment out of our busy lives and reflecting on that growth, that transformation for you, checking in with where I was in my thought process and my becoming of a man stepping into these different roles of manhood that I never had before. And it's, it's just really beautiful to think about, to think Mm -hmm. about how you have grown and how, when, when you were able to 
surrender and release and let go of some of those some of those roots that you held on to being able to provide financially for yourself doing everything around the house you know the things that made you such an amazing independent woman and giving me the opportunity to step up and lean into them was empowering on both ends for each of us mm. and it was an amazing dance i didn't know what we were doing while we were doing it <laughs> but that's the beauty of of hindsight so what I really want to tap into is... Can I say actually one more thing about that? Okay. Is when we were in that space, there were so many times where we popped into girl and boy. Oh, yeah. I mean, still it, do. It was, well, it was, yeah. it was so funny because I remember when we, we went through that, it was, you know, kind of a big, a big struggle sometimes. I was like, wow, I've never seen Jetty's boy come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I realized you were growing through that too. And mm-hmm. I was like such a girl sometimes growing through that. So yeah. it was important to also point out that like we didn't have it all together. Like our boy and girl came out big time during that time, but it was the shift into more, more of us becoming queen and king. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And let's, we'll go, we'll go into talking about the transition out of the honeymoon phase <laughs> in, in a minute. Uh, Cause I think that's really important <laughs> for people to, to hear us talk about. But what I really want to tap into in this particular conversation we're having right now is for men to have an inside look at what women are confronting and women are what women are facing off with when it comes to trusting their partner. And also to speak into the women's listening of something that they could relate to. So just sharing your experience of the things that you really had to confront with, the things you had to face off with, so that you could trust me as a partner and a provider. Oh, yeah, there's so many layers to that because there's like motherhood and like just me as a woman, me as your partner. But, you know, one of the big things I had to really face off with was just being accepting of what it meant to be a woman and a mother. Mm. The acceptance of being a mother means really accepting that our roles are going to be different. I grew up in a very egalitarian house. You know, like my dad was kind of a main nurturer. So I didn't really have that delineation a lot. You know, it was like the masculine and feminine lines were really blurred a lot of the time. Even though I would say my dad's like a a great masculine presence, but, you know, the caretaking on the parenting was so different than traditional roles. So I really had to face off with feeling like a 50s housewife sometimes Mm. and just saying like, oh my God, I'm home still because I'm still going through this depression and this transformation and anxiety, and I still can't quite get on my feet in the way that I wish I could faster. And I'm washing dishes and I'm cleaning diapers all day and I'm not in service, I'm not coaching. And that really made me feel uh, threatened because Mm. I had built so much of my confidence on what I could do instead of who I could be. So it was really about facing off with who can I actually be right now? Because Mm. the truth is all the work that I do with women now and mothers is based on that question at that time, how I showed up in the face of that and how I also stayed in partnership, you know, with you through that, seeing that we both had to go into really traditional roles. Mm -hmm. You know, you were commuting and working hours and hours a day to provide so that I could, you know, be home healing and recovering and finding my way. And so you were put into this like very, very traditional masculine role of like, I have to provide, keep the house running. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine what that was like for you. And for me, it was like, wow, I have to (laughs) be a stay at home mom right now, which I never planned on. And it's, it was very triggering for me. Yeah. And also the best medicine in the world. Of course. Well, that's exactly yeah. it. The, mo- the most challenging things for us often are the yeah. best medicine. And I just th- hearing you speak about it, thinking about my perspective, speaking to the man or the masculine, I remember being really confused. And mm-hmm. a lot of times your way of processing and being with it was coming after me and what I was doing. And I, it, we've talked about this a lot Yeah. and we've nailed it down to that was the mas- the masculine part of you letting go so that I could fill that role and yeah. not wanting to let go 
of the life where you could be out and be generating your own money and resources and being of service and cruising around the world, you know, all over the place. But now, after Sitka came along, feeling very much in your feminine, very much in your maternal body, and resisting that too. Yeah. I remember wit- witnessing you resisting being a mom because you'd never done it before and it wasn't comfortable, just like everything else we do for the first time. Yeah, and that wasn't even just at that time. It's been a, a practice for the last three years. It's become like my daily meditation <laughs> to be less and less in that resistance and, mm-hmm. and figure out what that means because – you know, a lot of women could go into shame around like, oh, God, I have to fight resistance around being a mom to this beautiful boy. But it's not about that. It's not about how much I love my kid. It's not about how much I don't like being a mother or anything like that. It's just it's exactly what you're saying. It's around like the resistance of the role and such a huge change in what that archetype looks like. I had just had to find the power in it mm-hmm. instead I had to find like the deep power in that matriarchal role, which is really where I'm feeling more powerful now. Mm. Yeah, and without going down this rabbit hole, but we can reflect on society and culture. And going back to what you said before about the feminist movement in the 70s, women rising into power, stepping into roles that were typically only filled by men in the past, which was an amazing thing for our society and our culture. However, women have adopted a lot of the masculine features or characteristics of that were typically associated with men going out, providing, being leaders, being bosses, running the show. And so I think, especially in the work that you're doing with moms who are also running businesses and have service work and another life outside of just being a a mother and a nurturer and a a wife, a partner, it's balancing those roles and, and creating a new paradigm, a new paradigm for how women can still be in their feminine without having to let go entirely of that masculine too. Yeah, I think, you know, what happened is what kind of happens when any great change occurs, which is there's a pendulum that swings to the extreme. And I think that extreme put women in this body of like hustling and, you know, the 80s, if you can see all the movies, you see women in suits and working on Wall Street and, you know, there's this like huge kind of like (laughs) really masculine vision of like what women were at that time. And we swung so far over that the hustle just became a way of life for for women to to really take that power over. And now I actually think women are are really not even w- wanting that at all, mm-hmm. but we're all resisting it in a way. I mean, this is a total blanket statement. So uh, many of us are resisting that still because there's safety in that hustle. Mm-hmm. There's safety in the keep up. And really women weren't meant to operate that way. Mm-hmm. And what I've been loving about working with mothers is kind of just redefining the pace and the efficiency and the alignment, which is where when women come from that place, it is so gloriously feminine and deep. And there's a deep listening, which is really the strength of women to be able to go into that deeper listening into those caverns and kind of like, you know, really be with their intuitive sense of how, what is the best thing I can do in this moment and operate from there versus being in this crazy busyness all the time. And the feedback that I got even from the first threshold I did retreat was, you know, women saying, yeah, I was just so stuck in my busyness. And now I have this different sense of what it means to be a woman and a mother. And for me, there was no higher compliment than that feedback because that's been my mission for three years on a personal level. And it still is. It's a practice every day. And I know you see me in it, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I do want to veer back into that masculine side and, Mm -hmm. and then I have, you know, I get the opportunity to soften again and make more space for you, which is like a really beautiful thing too. And a Mm -hmm. great for the sake of, as we call it. (laughs) And for me, speaking to the men, what was really effective for me was creating a very warm and inviting welcome invitation for you to soften and to ease into that space. Yes. To not be forcible about that, but to let you know that that was available and not always doing it perfectly or cleanly. Sometimes it was really messy. (laughs) Sometimes. Me having awareness and attention on inviting you into that space, letting you know that it was safe for you to go there and that 
we would be okay. And again, going back to what we said before, the words are nice. They start to plant the seed, but that didn't really work until you started to see the evidence of, oh, Jetty is capable of stepping up here. He is capable of providing for us. I haven't worked for a full calendar year and we're okay. And, and it did that, did you need to experience it to feel that level of trust? Well, I think you use the magic word was invitation mm. because it, you know, I think sometimes men have like the best of intentions and they want to like force, force safety. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to take care of you. I've got this. So, you know, and it's like they start treating it like a job to like making sure the woman feels safe and okay to sort of know that they're fulfilling on that promise. Whereas I feel like you did have this beautiful softness around, that's where kind of your feminine was actually in favor of your masculine, is you did create that invitation that was a space versus a, hey, I got this, like, you really need to trust me. It was, it was more like, hey, what if you trusted? Just check, checked it out and let me try this out. And we're going through that again right now as our second baby comes in because I'm feeling triggered again around having to slow down. Not as much, though. Mm -hmm. I actually, like, even committed to leaving work two months in advance, and I feel really safe in that now, which was a cool evolution. But, you know, like, I still have triggers around scarcity and things like that from my lineage, and I just, you become an invitation once again to say, hey, what if I actually took care of it all? What if it was okay? Can Mm -hmm. you trust me? And that invitation, if we're going back to that question, what do you love about men? I love when men are an invitation. Mm-hmm. And I've seen men be an invitation in so many ways. And it's such a beautiful way for women to step into that feminine space. Right. And an important distinction about invitations is it's not, it's not always words. It's not always written yeah. or spoken words. Sometimes the invitation is energetic. It is a, it's a feeling because we know that women especially, and anyone in their feminine is operating from emotional or the emotions as the primary way of expressing how we feel. So the invitation can also be a way of being for us men, for the image that I come back to. And it's come up a lot in some different circles. So I know that there's something ancient and sacred about it is a circle of men grounded, clear, purposeful, centered, Creating a container in which the women can step into and be free to dance, to be wild, to weep, to shout, to express joy, to celebrate, to grieve in the safety of that container, of that circle that the men create for them. And I've heard this metaphor before. It resonates me. I could see a clear image in my mind when I close my eyes and I think it's what we get to do in relationship with our partners. And it's also what we get to do with in relationship within ourselves. If we go all the way back to masculine and feminine living and existing in the same body. Mm-hmm. So tell me your perspective on the space and container a man can create for his partner. Okay. In order for her to feel safe. Yeah. When you were sharing that, by the way, it just brought me back to that time before you came Back to California when I got to sit with those men, mm-hmm. that circle of men. You can talk, talk about that too. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to share that really quick. Um, before Jenny came back to California, there was a period we were long distance after we had met and we had kind of already fallen in love and we were waiting for each other to be reunited. I knew he was coming back. So I called together this council of men, like really great men, elder men that I had been blessed to be in circle with and communication with and just said, Hey, I don't. I've never experienced being with a real man before. Would you be open to sitting in a circle in a council and just talking to me about how I can really, you know, be with him in a good way and keep this relationship healthy? And the men were so amazing and they responded, yes. And when I got there, I thought I was just going to walk into a room and talk to some, talk to these guys, these great guys. They created this beautiful space. They had rose petals leading to a throne that they made for me. It was so beautiful. And they just, they sat me in this throne and they were like, ask whatever you need. And it was like, wow. And because they did it that way, I could go deeper with the questions and 
I was able to reflect back to them everything they said and what they had shared was, wow, we feel so hurt as men that you could just repeat back everything we shared with you. And Mm. it was like this passing on of wisdom that was so beautiful. And honestly, to this day, some of the advice they gave me still serves me in our relationship. Mm. That's what, what, that's what's possible when men are that level of invitation. Mm -hmm. It really allows the feminine to see the men too, Mm. to really see you guys and to like honor you back. Mm. It, it helps us be powerfully in love with you, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm. So, well, just speaking to that before we get back to the other question, mm-hmm. one of the things I think those men did that they really did me a solid was they created a standard for you of what to expect from me. Mm. Yeah. They showed you what <clears throat> grounded, conscious, capable, clear men are capable of when given the space to create something for a woman. Amen. <laughs> and a beautiful illustration. I, I know all of those men and, and love and respect each one of them in different ways. So just the ceremony and the intention around bridging the gap between man, woman, male, female, masculine, feminine, whatever we want to call it, is really positive. And that's something we all get to talk about more. Mm. But uh, getting back to the specific specificity of the question, what... What do men need to know about creating a safe space for their partners? I would say the first thing that comes to mind right off the bat is deep listening. Deep listening. And, you know, sometimes I still have to remind you of this, right? (laughs) Honey, don't fix it. Honey, don't fix it. Just hold on. Just please don't fix it. (laughs) Would you say that's the number one thing? Not just for me, but for most men is that we step in and try to fix it instead of just listening and being with you. Yeah, I mean, in the least, in the less extreme example, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there are lots of things men can do to, to make it feel unsafe. That, but I would say in the most common, probably yes, the fix is like because sure. it shows up in all different ways, you know, cutting off, um, wanting to, you know, make your emotions wrong, <laughs> um, all those things, and you know, Alison Armstrong, men, if you haven't heard of her, she's amazing. Uh, <laughs> she says it best, which she's like. Guys, just hold out the trash can and let her spew everything on her mind. Mm-hmm. Once that's empty and that vessel's full, you take it out in the back, throw it out, and you're going to have a very present woman ready to just love mm-hmm. you up. And it's really true. I mean, when you, oh, poor Jenny has really witnessed this in my pregnancy recently. <laughs> I've just been like all over the map. But sometimes there's just days. I mean, there was that one night where I was like, you know, I really feel like my I'm slipping away. Like I feel this identity shift happening again where I know your life isn't changing as drastically as mine and that's okay. But, you know, I can feel that this next shift is coming in my own identity as that we bring two kids in. And and I remember you were like, well, let's look at this. Let's look at this perspective. And I was like, honey, I don't want to look at the perspective. I just want to <laughs> grieve this in yeah. this moment. And you were good. <laughs> you were like, that's, yeah. that's especially powerful for those people who are in these woke ass conscious relationships who are, were constantly in the reflection and assessment game. Yeah. Coach we're all mode. Tune up. Exactly. <laughs> and so for those couples or men, women who are listening that you're in that dynamic with your partner, stop trying to coach or fix or, you know, ninja your partner because <laughs> it's one of the most delicate spaces in your life. There, it, it, it doesn't make for a safe container when I'm trying to coach you out of your process. Right, right, right. right. And so bullet note, don't coach your partner. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going to offer some sort of feedback, make sure you ask for permission. That's like... Yeah. Unless you request it. I mean, sometimes I really am like, Jetty, talk me down from the sledge. Coach me. I will literally say, coach me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want you to help me out of this. I know my mindset's off. Like, I need to, I need a mirror. Yeah. And, you know, that goes back to what we said before about invitations. So, so far, if I'm listening, <laughs> <laughs> listening was really the biggest thing and not trying to fix anything, but just being with you in your process. Yeah. So that's definitely a huge feeling of safety. That invitation space is huge safety. Um, what about being our word? Yes. Again, I'm a biased gal, but <laughs> you are so impeccable with your word. It is 
one of the most trustworthy things about you. Even it's annoying sometimes when it's for other people. <laughs> I'm just like, do you have to keep that one promise? Can't you just hang out a little longer and hang with me and sit good today? But you, but you know, if you weren't doing it everywhere, you wouldn't be doing it with me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, sometimes it's a double-edged sword because you're such a committed man to so many people, but I'm glad we got that on tape. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sure <laughs> you are. Um, but yes, I, I, it's a beautiful, and I do always tell you that even when I get yes, frustrated, I say, I love that about you so much. And sometimes I just get frustrated, mm-hmm. but to mm-hmm. me, for me, yeah. When you say you're going to do something, I know you're going to do it. And if, mm-hmm. if it slips, it's like you own it right away, you make up for it, and you figure out a, a fix, you know? So mm-hmm. that is a huge one. Thank you for reminding me of that mm-hmm. because it really, really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, affection makes me feel safe, you know? Mm-hmm. I think women, it's when we're told we're beautiful or, you know, there's so many things men can try to say to make us feel better, but there's nothing like your hand on our back. Just like rubbing mm-hmm. our back and just saying, hey, I see you today. You know, mm-hmm. I love you. There's nothing more secure than a loving touch from a man for a woman. And I say that's like right at the top of safety for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I love that. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> you know, it, we can be in like the most heated argument, by the way. <laughs> and if he puts his hand on my back and just kind of stops his verbal dialogue for a second and just puts his hand on me. I will soften so fast. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. So if guys, if you're struggling, give that one a try because it actually goes so far with women. And I think men forget because we can mm-hmm. get into these really big diatribes of like fixing and cerebralness. But touch is soft, loving touch with good intention is the number one for women, I think, to feel safe. Yeah. And, and speaking of arguments, disagreements, we know that they happen. You know, we, they... And once we're out of that honeymoon phase and that, there's that first, oh, I don't agree with you on this. That's when that's when things really begin in relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would say one thing that we have done really well in partnership is coming up with a context from which we can decide, we can both take action in getting ourselves back in the same huddle. We actually created this after having... <laughs> different types of breakdowns in our conversations, realizing that, hey, when we're both triggered, we protect ourselves first. I protect me, she protects her. And so whichever one of us has the alarms go off and realizes, hey, you guys are working against each other instead of on the same team, we committed to being the one to go first, to to wave the white flag and say, hey, let's pause for a minute. Maybe it's me reaching out and grabbing your hand or you just looking me in the eyes and dropping your voice a little bit, but calling us back to, hey, let's get back on the same team for a second. What's really happening here? And Yeah, so big. It's a practice. It's definitely not a perfect for us. And I would say it's been one of the greatest things we've learned how to do in our relationship is being so committed to the relationship that we keep stepping back in. We keep leaning back in to partnership, to being teammates. And it's not just us. We're speaking from our experience, but all the relationships that are able to withstand the test of time are capable of making it about the team more than the individual. And by taking care of the team, the individuals get taken care of as well. So what would you have to say about that? I mean, I think you said it really well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it really, it really is been, it has been our recipe for a strong partnership. And I see it with other people who are in strong partnerships as well. Just, taking that pause and saying, hey, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Like, we are on the opposite sides of the field. We're definitely defending. And sometimes it takes two or three tries if we're really in it, Mm -hmm. you know? But that is something I've always loved about uh, our relationship is that no matter what, you know, I will start by saying, I don't even like to call it the honeymoon phase. I like to call it the foundation phase Mm. because... People get really stuck in this word honeymoon and think it should be a certain way and like that's what they want to keep up. But, you know, what I when I look back at the beginnings of Jenny and Carrie, I see I do see so much love and all those things and of course what we call the honeymoon period. But I always go back there for the foundation of love. You know, so when I have those moments where I say, Hey, whoa, whoa, we're not on the same team, I'm literally taken back to like 
2013 into why I fell in love with you. Mm. And just think about like, right now I choose love and I don't choose this. I don't choose for us to talk like this to each other. I don't choose to be against you because I remember how good that love feels, you know? And that's the medicine of the honeymoon, quote unquote, period for me. Uh, it was such a perfectly strong, beautiful foundation of love. And I think that's why we have that period. Because mm-hmm. that's a foundational time that you always get to tap back into for the love you need in the times where you're in the soup with each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where I come from when I wave that white flag first. I'm like, I see like, you know, the Jack Sparrow Burning Man <laughs> r- ragamuffin dude that like approached me in the driveway and like oh I love him <laughs> I love that guy and I just don't want to fight with him right now like I just whatever it is like we just pause it and it really it's without fail has always really worked for us sometimes we need a little space but it works mm-hmm. yeah and I think a, a sign of maturing in relationship is learning to appreciate the flavor of love more than the flavor of being right more than that urge we have to come out on top to win the argument because when when one person wins nobody wins if somebody comes out on top nobody's coming out our on kid top. definitely doesn't win no, <laughs> that's for sure not. And that's a whole nother that's a whole nother ball game when you start bringing children into the mix yeah so that, this is really your bread and butter so let's tap into this a little bit thinking of the men out there who are fathers will someday be fathers stepfathers all kinds of fathers out there who are partnered with their women or even not partnered with their women, maybe co-parenting. What are some of the things that men in those positions of support need to know? Well, A, you won't really recognize your partner while she's pregnant. (laughs) Okay, so you're entering into a new relationship when your wife is pregnant or when your partner's pregnant. We really do go through this metamorphosis and this cocktail of hormones, mood swings, nesting periods that seem totally illogical i'm sure to the male brain <laughs> it's like a mild what is it it's it's not you're not a ghost but when your body gets inhabited by a, a like possessed a possess- <laughs> it's like a mild possession <laughs> oh man the last full moon jenny got it so bad <laughs> and i woke up like i felt like i had turned into a werewolf and i was like oh i'm a human again Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it can be shocking at times. <laughs> it's also a beautiful time to connect and all those things. I don't want to paint the bad picture. But yeah, you know, entering into that phase for sure. I think, you know, really acknowledging, like we were talking about earlier, a woman holds a completely different role. Obviously, when she's becoming a mother, her her whole being is being occupied by a human for 10 months in gestation and then for probably a good year postpartum in a, it's all about mom it's all about mom mm-hmm. and there's nothing women can do about that you can hand the baby off as many times to dad but there's a connection that the baby has with you in that first year that you really as a woman have to surrender to and it can be really frustrating to see your husband like, I'm off to see my buddies. I'm going to go to the gym. And you're just like, <laughs> I was talking to Alexi about this on the live we did yesterday. She she said, Preston was like, hey, I'm going to go meet my friends. Is there anything I can get you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you were probably thinking, yeah, can I be the one to go? <laughs> can you just stay here instead? Yeah. Um, and we feel that. As, yeah. as men, we feel the, I would rather be you right now. Yes. And... This is important. This is a really important piece because we feel that. And in me, it triggers some guilt of, hmm, is this fair? I don't know if this is, is it fair that I get to do this? And remembering that there are different roles I have in our dynamic where in order for me to go out and to provide and to bust my ass and to to do all of the things I do to take care of our family, I need to do things to fill my cup. And I think one of the biggest things we missed out on, especially early in Sitka's life was the opportunity to help you fill your cup too, that we both get to have that. It's a both and, not an either or. Yes. So that is a big one is really, really just keep an eye on once your lady has that baby to really keep an eye on her tanks. If you keep an eye on yours too. I mean, I'm really proud of Jenny for doing that, even though it infuriated me (laughs) at the time because we didn't really have the balance figured out yet. If he hadn't done that, he could not have provided and shown up for for me in the way he had. And I know that now, you know, in retrospect, I know that in a deep, 
deep way. Especially because when you would come home, I would just be sobbing. Mm-hmm. And that was that was hard for me, too, to just be like, I'm just this wife you come home to, and I'm just crying, and I'm so, why do you even want to be married to me right now? <laughs> but you had that space because you were taking care of yourself by going to your men's teams and going to your martial arts and all those things. But it is really important that you recognize that the woman needs that so badly as well. And also, you know, what the work I teach or, you know, help support women in is a lot about the imprint that you get as a woman when you become a mother. You know, like there's a birth imprint for the baby, but there's this motherhood imprint also of how you entered into that, how you were supported, how your birth went. You know, we gave that, we, we were in labor with that baby, which is such a huge experience for a woman. I mean, most of the time it's trauma, even if it's a great experience. It's still trauma. It's huge experience to give birth. So there's definitely an identity that gets wrapped around how you entered into that and how you came out of that and the way you survived from there on out. And so, you know, really holding the space for that and also calling in support because I, I literally just had a woman who was going to join my next retreat say, well, my husband was, <laughs> I was talking to him and about this next baby we're having. And he was like, God, is there a retreat or something you can go to where you can really work on this stuff? <laughs> and she was like, yes, actually, there is one. Can I go? And it was <laughs> my retreat. And so I feel like there are resources out there for men to allow women to be in spaces with other women, which we really need when we become mothers. Um, and just really supporting women in that. And I remember Jetty saying, hey, is there some friends that you can call today? It's not just me here, remember? And that was a great reminder that you gave me to re- to call my girlfriends, to call my best friend, to call, you know? And it really helped me a lot. So, yeah, I could go on and on. But just really being present and holding the space for this huge identity shift that this woman is going through because transitioning into that matriarch role is really a huge letting go of the woman she was. And it's likewise with men, totally different way, but it's same. Mm -hmm. So it's really great for each other, you know, for both of you guys to be present to that transformation. Yeah. And I feel like even in this pregnancy, I've been able to be more available for your transformation, absolutely, which has been really beautiful because I have more awareness around it and just watching you step into your power in a bigger way. Every time we have a kid, you step up bigger and bigger. So I think we're done after this. I think we're, yeah, (laughs) I think we'll find another way to step up our game. Yeah, (laughs) but it really does. It's a beautiful transition for both. Well, this is awesome, honey. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm tempted to just keep rolling, (laughs) but I I think we'll, we'll do a part two somewhere down the road. Maybe, yeah, maybe once we're juggling two kids and two businesses. and <laughs> We'll have a lot more to say better. on the topic. Yeah. <laughs> but as we start to wrap up, you are my first guest on this, first female guest on this show, which is really cool. Woo-hoo. And I'm going to ask you a few lightning round style questions. Cool. Are they going to be fun things like what's the most annoying thing about Jetty? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can say that if you want. It, it, no, I'll, I'll invalidate it if it's not true. No. <laughs> Uh, no, it'll be fun. So here's the first one. What is one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were 18 years old? Lightning, how much time do I have? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I didn't have to accomplish it all so quickly. Mm. I could slow down. Awesome. And what do women need more of in the world from men? Ooh. I don't know how else to say this except for spaciousness. I don't mean space physical space i mean spaciousness just space to be who we are where we are and where we're at it's really huge Mm. and what will you tell your son when he steps into that threshold crossing into manhood what would be the one message you'd have for him oh besides watch your dad he did a great job (laughs) (laughs) be what you want to be powerfully not halfway and on a scale from zero to awesome, where do I rank? <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> well, because you asked that question, it just dropped you down to an eight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 25, uh, honey, out of uh, 10. Uh, <laughs> You're the awesomest and I love you. Oh, thank you, honey. Uh, last but not least, before we sign off here, 
share with the men and the women who are listening the opportunities that they have to follow you, support you, get involved with the work that you're doing? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you're listening and you got ladies in your life, <laughs> especially ladies who are mamas, I'm constantly providing awesome tips, content, beautiful just messages of love to mothers. So you can follow me at Carrie Azuma on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and I uh, have my next threshold retreat coming up February 21st. And if you are one of those guys who's like, man, my woman is going through so much or has gone through so much with her, her entrance into motherhood. And I really wish that she would just be able to sit down and like reflect and, and be able to hold that role in a powerful way that really supports her. Send her my way because I got her and I got you. A lot of this work I do, not just for the moms, but I do it for the partners and for the kids. And it's a really beautiful four days and we go deep and it's an offer that I feel I just want to share with men because I, I know you guys can't do it all and you can't hold it all and you, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to. So if you have any other questions about that, you can just hit me up. I'm always here. And we didn't speak a lot into rites of passage specifically this time around. However, it made me think that in so many other cultures, so many other communities, when a person crosses a threshold or grows from one stage of life into another, boy to man, girl to woman, not a mom to mother, you know, man to elder, there are always people waiting for them on the other side to receive them. People who have been there before, who've gone through that experience, who can only understand it the way that 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 person could, who's been through that experience before. So, so important for women, especially moms, new moms, old moms, all kinds of moms, to be able to have space where they can go and, and speak with other moms and be supported and held in with their processes and differently than we can do as partners, differently than any other woman who's not a mom can do. Yeah, and this is for any rite of passage. This is for like new moms, empty nesters. I had a woman in my last threshold who was in her 60s there with her daughter. Mm-hmm. It's really to go back and to be able to process that imprint of who you became and and to really support her in reclaiming that rite of passage for herself. So, yes, yeah. I would be honored to be trusted with any of your ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good stuff. Well, definitely men, women alike, anybody you know who's a mama who could use some support. Carrie is, obviously I'm biased, but Carrie is seriously a boss and doing some amazing, innovative things with women that I really, really respect and really grateful for. That's another thing, right before we sign off, the most important vow that we've made to each other, in my opinion, I think you feel the same, Yes, is to that we would always honor and bless each other's medicine, that we would always hold each other highly and encourage the expression of that gift to come out more and more and more and to make that important. And I want to thank you for always honoring that in me. Mm. Um, And I like to think I'm doing a pretty good job of that. (laughs) I was going to say right back at you. Absolutely, honey. Yeah. The reason I can do this work and go so deep and hold these spaces, even when I'm pregnant, is because I got this man behind me. So you guys are in good hands on this podcast. Mm. I feel so lucky to be here with Jetty Azuma. (laughs) You should should feel honored. It's it's quite an honor. (laughs) Oh my God. You guys have no idea what a Leo he is. Yeah. And a dork. (laughs) And a dork. Huge. I am too though. So we're a good match. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for being on here, honey, for bringing all of your amazing medicine, for being Mm, the first lady on the show and for doing it in style like you do. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so fun to be here with you. (laughs) I love you. Love you too. And I love you men out there. Like I said, this was a very important and meaningful episode for me to be in this conversation with my wife and to reflect on our relationship and what we've created over the years was really powerful. We even sat together for 30 minutes afterwards just chatting about what came up because with the busyness of our lives, raising a child and preparing for another child to come and building two businesses at the same time, sometimes we just need to create time and space to reflect on what we're creating in the moment. And so this was a gift for both Carrie and I to share our story and to really be in the reflective process together. So thank you for witnessing and partaking in that with us. Uh, We both hope that it brought a lot of value to you and and starting to stir up these conversations between men and women because it's one thing for us to talk about the experience of manhood and masculinity for men and how we can show up better for our women, the women in the world. But to start to cross the aisle and to 
connect and integrate what we're doing as, in, as men and with the masculine and what women are doing with the feminine is really the next level of this transformation of this generational paradigm shift. So thank you all for tuning in. I look forward to sharing more conversations with women here in the future. For those of you who are looking for another opportunity to level up in your life, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, sign up for the next Man Cave, which launches on March 16th. Head over to prestonsmiles.com slash man cave to apply and reserve your spot today. I'm telling you guys, one of the most transformative programs out there for you, and you can access it from anywhere in the world. It's completely virtual. We do all of our calls on the computer online. We do all the program online. And so there's no excuse not to have the support of a community of conscious men around you and helping you level up in your life. So go over and check that out right now while you're at it. And you've got the browser open. Make sure you check out the show notes for links and resources at the rising man podcast com for this episode and every other episode always up there thanks to my man julian subic shout out to you brother and make sure you guys please subscribe or follow us on the podcast app of your choice share it up every, any of these episodes that you guys are loving on please post them to your social media tag us in them we will give you a huge shout out lots of love because this is the way we're going to keep spreading this message in this movement and so whether you listen to us on itunes on stitcher spotify wherever you're listening to it please share your favorite episodes with the men even the women in your life so that the message of the rising man and the purpose behind this movement can continue to spread across the globe appreciate that guys and check us out on instagram also if you haven't already give us a follow at rising man podcast my man rowan tyne who's been flexing on the social media for so long now it's really it's really looking fresh i gotta say man i i'm i'm loving the content that we're putting out so i hope that you men and women out there are enjoying what we're putting up there also please share that content as well make sure that you're tagging men on those posts so that they start to become aware of what we're doing over here and like I always do, you know, I love to shout out my team at the end of the episodes. I already spoke about Julian. Shout out to Rowan Tyne at Rowan Tyne on Instagram. My man Sean Offenbach doing some incredible things with the sound, the music on every episode at Infinite Melodics, M-E-L-O-D-I-X. Give that man a follow and anything you guys need. If you're a podcaster, if you're an audio person creating music, looking for anything audio related, Sean is your man. So go check him out. And last but not least, my man, my brother, Mark Rose who has been doing a lot of behind the scenes work a lot of special projects we're planning for you guys like i've told you about so thank you mark for everything you're doing until next time rise up and claim your destiny <laughs> <laughs>